You're listening to a C3 Victory podcast. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au. If you're visiting with us this morning, thank you so much for being here on this particular day. Uh, You could have been in so many other places, uh, but you chose to come along, uh, maybe with a friend, family member, um, and and you chose to be here. So thank you for being here. We hope you have an incredible morning and and leave uh, considering that the person of Jesus uh, might just be something worth uh, looking into, somebody worth considering in your life. We've been in a series up until this point in January, uh, and we've called the series Speak. Uh, we, can't, we, we have a lot of fun in the office coming up with some creative names just to keep you guys interested. Um, and, and Speak is all about this idea that we actually have creative power in the words that we use both around our life but also within, within our life. We have the power to speak things into existence. If you study uh, neurological science and things like that, I don't, I just, I read about it in, in, in books. But there is a link between what we continue to confess about our, our self and, and actually what is created within our, our subconscious mindset that ends up leading to a self-fulfilling prophecy, if you will. The more we say something about ourselves, the more we begin to believe it and the more we create structures in our thinking and filters and and subconscious mindsets that point us towards that very thing. But we also know that there is an even greater power that we have access to being the word that God says about our life, that if we choose to speak that over our lives, we have the power to deconstruct some of the negative things that we've constructed in our life, and we have the power to create and speak into a life that that we believe God is saying about us. Um, and so we have been looking into that exact concept so far in January. And I've had a lot of, I've had a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun last week. Uh, who's had fun in this series? Like five people. Awesome. Uh, we're going to work on that. I believe church should be one of the funnest places. Um, why not? I, I, you've only got to look at creation and know that God has fun with things, right? Like why else would we have a giraffe? Okay, nobody needs a neck that long. No one, right? God is the God that is fun. And I love what Simo, Pastor Simo always says, that he believes church should be the most welcoming place on the face of the planet. Even if you don't believe what we, we believe, I want you to know that you belong in this community. You have a place in this community. Um, and, and, and I hope that uh, you feel that this morning. If, if you are here, you're a regular. Uh, we love you. Uh, you are this community. Without you, there is no community. So thanks for being here, putting up with the humidity. Who loves humidity? Yeah, I was expect that was a, that was a good response. Right? I hate. I actually, I I, I have my, my body for some reason just responds very strangely to humidity. I lose liters of body fluid. Uh, I don't know if you can relate, uh, but I promise you the air conditioning is on this morning. If you would like to experience it, you are welcome to move to the front couple of rows because cold air sinks. Uh, and so it, blo- it actually blows really nicely through the front. So you are more, I-, I will not be offended if you get up right now, go out those doors and reappear down there and, and come take a seat. That's- 
Speaking of seeding, though, who was here last week where we talked about some of the things that are coming with seeding? Uh, we love you guys so much, uh, but we do want to gather a little bit closer together uh, when we do gather on a Sunday. And for that reason, we are going to start putting some, some covering over some of the seats on the sides. So if, if you've been someone that's, that's been your home seat, I'm going to apologize in advance and I'm going to ask that you, you extend grace and mercy toward me as we make these little changes I know that change can be really not a, not a fantastic thing for people, but I, I really believe there's going to be a, a great benefit to our community as we do gather closer together. Last week we talked a bit into that, coals around a fire and, and things like that. But I just want to remind you that as of next week, we're going to begin to do that. And it's just going to be the back couple of rows. Um, and I know that, that for some of you, it's a mobility situation and we're going to have these rows always available down the front and things like that. And uh, we're going to work towards this so that the benefit is there and we're going to navigate some of the potential issues that comes up. But it is a work in progress uh, and the best thing you can do is just be on board and work with us. We would really appreciate that as we look to do things that are going to really benefit uh, this campus. So we love you guys. I say that to kind of cover the change because I know it, it can stir up all sorts of things. Let's jump into the Word of God. That's a great place to go after an announcement like that. Into the Word of God. We can get encouraged again. Uh, like our identity is not based on where we sit, uh, but our identity is based in who God says we are, and that doesn't change if we're in aisle K or seat 44. I don't even know if that exists here, but that's all right. Here we go. Ezekiel 37. You should be well familiar with it over the last few weeks if you have been with us. If you haven't, it is going to be on the screen. So uh, you can read along, you can follow along as we begin to unpack what God says. I'm going to actually go to verse 11 today. Last week we kind of went to verse 10, and this week I want to go a bit further. Verse 11 says, Then he said to me, he being God, me being Ezekiel, which is what uh, we're reading in here. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. And they are saying... We have become old, dry bones. All hope is gone. If that's something that you're sort of saying to yourself at the moment, that's probably not a healthy declaration over your life for this year. Now give them this message from the sovereign Lord. Oh, my people, I will open your graves of exile and cause you to rise again. Then I will bring you back to the land of Israel. When this happens, oh, my people, you will know that I am the Lord. I will put my spirit in you and you will live and return home to your own land. And then you will know that I am the Lord. You will see that I have done everything just as I have promised. The, I, the Lord, have spoken. Awesome. What a, what a great prophetic declaration. Even for our campus over this year. Uh, I think that's awesome. If you're looking for something this year to pray into us as a church, let I think that, those few verses right there would be awesome to continue to declare uh, that God is going to continue to see this church rise in this city, uh, that he has a place that is going to be our home in this city, that he is taking us to a land. I'm telling you, there's some incredible promises that we can be believing and declaring over our church as a whole, this campus, our Northwest campus this year. Uh, and if you are ever stuck at what to pray, for our church, Ezekiel 37, verse 11 to 14. Go there, just speak it out. God, I'm believing that you're doing this. I don't know how, but I'm believing you're doing it. Amen? 
Let's pray for this morning. Father, we thank you that you're here. We thank you that your Holy Spirit is moving among us. That he wants to meet with us and wants to lift us, give us life this morning, hope this morning, joy this morning, strength this morning. God, I thank you that you have some incredible things you want to say to people over their year, the things that you see, the things that you have planned over their year. And Lord, I pray this morning that you would just meet with us afresh, that something about our relationship with you uh, would just be revived this morning, brought back into that place of authenticity and realness in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen. Awesome. I might, have, I might have told this story before, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you again. It's a great story. Uh, in 2012, when Rachel and I were living in London, we did a number of trips, as you do when you're overseas. You do a number of trips, travel around, see some things. And one particular trip we did was down to the coast of, of the UK to a place called St. Ives. Does anyone know St. Ives in the UK? Lovely little coastal area, Cornwall, beautiful. If you ever get an opportunity to go there, do it in the summer, not in the winter. Okay, um, and we were, we were driving around St. Ives, and, and you know when you put sort of a destination into the GPS, and you're like, yep, sweet, we know where we're going. This particular road trip that we were doing, we were doing with my brother and, and his wife who were living with us at the time, and this particular time, my brother was driving and I was navigating. So I had the shotgun duties, I'm, I'm in charge of the music that's played, and I'm in charge of the directions, right? Who knows that's the shotgun duties uh, that you need to participate in. And so we had some great tunes playing. I was doing that role very well. I like to think that I'm an incredible playlist generator. And, um, but, the, but the directions thing um, maybe has a little bit of controversy around it. Just, not from me, from other people's perspective of the directions that were given. You see, you see when, sometimes when you look at the map, there are roads that appear to be roads, but as you drive on them, some people may not think they're roads. I don't know if you've had one of those experiences. Hands up if you go four-wheel driving and, and you look at a dirt track and you consider that a road, but other people are like, no, that's not a road. It's not tarred. That doesn't classify as a road. But to you, it's like, that's the best road on the face of the planet. Well, we had a certain situation like that. You, you see, there's roads around that area that are paved and smooth and very clearly roads. They've got lines and, and all of those sorts of things. And then there's, uh, I would call them uh, passageways um, <laughs> with cobbled stones. And uh, look, for me, if it comes up on a map as a road, it's a road. Okay, it's a road. And so we, because there would have been a shortcut, who knows if, if a shortcut was easy, it would just be the way, right? Shortcuts tend to have a bit of challenge, otherwise everybody would just go that way. But this particular shortcut took us down one of these passageways, uh, cobbled stone things off of this very clear road. And so uh, we have my wife and we have uh, my brother's wife in the back. And it wasn't long down this particular passageway that they began uh, querying my sense of directions, my decision around where we should go. And, and, and the, the questions began like this, are you sure this is a road? Uh, absolutely, look, it's on the GPS, it's a road, it's on the GPS. And it, it kind of continued down this passageway and the... the the width began to shrink 
just ever so slightly, every kind of 10 meters, um, it, it just got thinner and thinner. And there was no other cars around, which tends to be a bit of evidence that perhaps that is a road. But I like to think that it was a road still. And we're driving, and as the walls got closer to us, we noticed there was more and more pedestrians, and they were having to take more and more evasive action, okay? Um, and, but the problem was that because it was getting narrower, their opportunity for evasive action was getting less. And so we began to see people start very hurriedly walking towards where there was a doorway in the wall. And they're starting to like press themselves against the walls as we're driving past. And you can hear the tension in the back seat rising with every question of, are you sure this is a road? Are we going to actually make it to the other side? Or are we going to get to that point in the movies that you see where suddenly it gets so thin that the, the car just jams? right and I'm like no 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 it's a road like trust me we're gonna we're gonna make it it's a road it's on the GPS they don't put things that you can't drive on on a GPS I now know better than that okay I know there's all sorts of things including walkways on GPS's but I I still to this day stand on the fact that it was a road Anyway, we got to the point where we, we were past the point of, of no return because even if we had stopped, the walls were so close, we actually couldn't open the doors. So we weren't going to get out, right? It just, we were at a point where we were either going through or we were going to have to reverse all the way out this entire passageway. Um, and the fact that we made it, I still stand on being the biggest evidence that well, it was a road because we made it. Uh, anyway, so we popped out the other end and I'm like, see? See, it just trust me, it's a road. It was fine, right? It was easy. It was not easy. Um, but we made it. And I find it very interesting in that story because Rach learned a lot about me in that story, in that experience that we had together. She learned what it looked like to, to, to trust in me when the circumstances that, that we were in perhaps may have encouraged her to not trust in me. And trust is a very funny thing, right? Because trust is, it's built slowly over time in mundane circumstances. And yet suddenly exponentially quicker because of the significance of certain circumstances. So we can travel relationally with someone for quite a long time and never really need our trust level to rise. But you suddenly start driving down a road where it looks like you're going to have a, some sort of a pedestrian accident or get stuck and an entire holiday is going to be ruined. And suddenly those sorts of circumstances call for your trust to develop quickly under pressure, under, under a circumstance that, that you're really not sure about. And, and it's interesting because so often trust is what we find in the gap between reality and expectation. Okay, so the expectation is that we would, we would very easily direct that car to where we needed to go. The expectation was that we would arrive, it would be simple, it's like driving down a freeway, no problems, no, no angst, no, no concern. And then suddenly in the midst of a, a decision to take a shortcut, there is an exponential rise in, in angst and uncertainty. And, and suddenly there is a gap between reality and, and expectation. And it's in that place, it's in that, that place that we see the quality of our trust. And here we see Ezekiel is faced with this massive expectation gap. This massive expectation gap. We, we pick it up in verse 11 where he says, Son of man, God is saying to him, Son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. Now if, 
if you have had a bit of time in church, Israel is the nation of God. They are God's chosen nation. And at the moment, we are looking at this chosen nation, this people of promise, this uh, people that God has said, I'm going to bless you so much that you can not just provide for other nations, you are going to actually be able to bless other nations. You're going to be able to do such significant things in the lives of other people that they're not just going to be like, well, that was nice. They're going to be blown away at the capacity that you have to do things in their life. This nation had so much said about it. God did so much for them. And yet in this moment, they are a scattered set of dry bones. Over here we have expectation, nation of Israel, God's chosen nation, his people of promise. His, from this nation, all mankind was going to be blessed, the, the Messiah, the Savior. And then over here we have their, their totally dead, wiped out image of complete barrenness, almost the exact opposite of what you should expect when God talks about the nation of Israel. And I, I love it because it's an image of this disparity which we can absolutely relate to in our life. Like, I, I don't know about you, but there's things I read in the Bible about what my life should look like and, and, and my expectation versus my reality is very different. Does anyone relate to that? You're going to leave me up here by myself with my insecurities. and You know, the Bible talks about the fact that, that, that by the name of Jesus, we can pray for the sick and they'll be healed. And yet how many times do we do that with an expectation and, then, and yet the reality creates this expectation gap because sometimes it, people don't get healed. Or, or, or it says that, you know, that we are a new creation and we wake up and we're like, awesome, I'm a new creation. All of those insecurities and anxieties and issues that I had, all those things that I, I, I think about all the time that I don't want to be thinking about, they're all gone because I'm a new creation. And, and that's a truth, absolutely. We can believe that it's true. And yet there is a reality that creates a massive gap between what, what we can expect and yet what we experience. And so I love that in Scripture we see these pictures that absolutely relate to our real life right now. And I don't know how many of you, even in this moment, are thinking of, of one of those exact gaps in your life, right? Like you, maybe God has said something to you in these last three weeks that you are hanging on to and you're like, that's my word for this year. But your expectation of that versus your reality of where you are right now means that there is a massive gap between expectation and experience. And God says, you know what they're saying right now in the midst of what they are experiencing in, in, in their dryness and, and, and in their, I love this, right, because it's, it's this incredible imagery. And yet God says, you know what they're saying? They're saying, all hope is gone. All hope is gone. Let me read it here. It says, we have become old dry bones. All hope is gone. And it's so, I find it so interesting that scripture written thousands of years ago is so relevant today. Because I don't know about you, but when I shift from looking at, at, at where I'm heading to, to where I am, the first thing I, I start saying is I declare all of the things about what I'm experiencing. Oh, I'm dry. I'm dry. Oh, I'm anxious. Oh, I'm really fearful. We start describing all of our symptoms. And in that place, we get to, we, we get to these places where we're like, oh, I'm never going to change. All hope is gone. 
I'm never going to get set for, I'm, I'm never going to be different. I'm never going to change. I'm never going to be able to stick to my New Year's resolution for more than like three weeks. Who's given up on theirs already? It's okay. It's no judgment at all. At least three of mine are already gone, but that's all right. Hanging on to one. And I think it's very interesting that the voices in our minds often speak louder than the voices that come out of our mouth. We're talking about dry bones. They don't have skin on yet. They don't have a mouth. And yet they're speaking. They're speaking to themselves. They're telling themselves about all the negative stuff around their current situation. Can I tell you that doubt has a voice in your mind before it causes you to take a particular direction in your life? We will, we will, we will tell, talk ourselves in our mind into a place where we doubt what God is able to do before we ever turn and begin to walk our own path. And I think that, that this morning God wants to speak right into that gap, right into that place between, between expectation and experience, right into that place where that voice in our minds that, that calls us and, and speaks so loudly to us about, about doubting the capacity that the promise or the word that we're hanging on to or the belief that we're believing for uh, is, is ever going to happen. And it begins to, to tell us all of the things about what we are right now. It begins to remind us of what we did last week. It begins to remind us of the thoughts that we had yesterday afternoon. It begins to remind us of how we didn't do it again or we messed up again. Or, or it begins to remind us of all the realities of now and our focus goes to a place of doubt where we're like, well, all hope is gone then. Well, it's never going to happen. I'm never going to change. I'm, oh, and we start telling, and before long, we start to define ourselves negatively. Can anyone relate to that? You don't have to respond, but maybe just, just in, inside, just like, oh, yeah, that's me. Because I know it's me. I know it's me, absolutely. And it's funny because we move on. He doesn't really address it there. He doesn't really address anything, but he goes on in verse 12, and he says, listen, they're saying this, and I, I know what they're saying, but listen, I've got something that I need you to say over them. I've got something that I need you to say over them. He says, son of man, say this from me. Oh, my people, I will open up your graves of exile. I will cause you to rise again. How often do we think change has to be in our own strength? How often do we think change and, and the things that we are expecting all the way down there, we think that somehow we have to have the strategy, the, 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 the mental fortitude, the, the discipline. How, how often do we put it in our basket to take ourselves from experience to what we're expecting? But here we find that actually it's, it's God who's going to cause us to go from, from, from death to life. It's God that is going to be the one that is able to take us from what we experience to what what we expect, if, if we could just position ourselves in a place where we deal with the doubt in our minds and go to a place where we're trusting that God is able, He says, I'm going to cause it to happen. I'm going to cause it to happen. Why? Why is God so intent on causing change in our lives? Oh, if you read on, it's very clear because when I do this, verse 13, when this happens, oh my people, you'll know that I'm God. You'll know that I'm God. We so need to hear what he says and begin to speak it into our own situations. We so need to hear him say, 
that the capacity to change is in his strength, through his spirit, through, through his grace, not our striving. We, 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 we need to, you know, you, know what, you know what striving sounds like? I'm too tired, I can't do that. Sounds like what the old dry bones were saying. We've become old, we're dry, all hope's gone, I can't do that. I can't live up to that standard. I can't perform to that level. I, I just, I'm, I'm out. I'm done. And yet God says, no, 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 you don't understand. I'm, I am going to cause it to happen. I'm going to cause it to happen so that you, you continue to have this revelation that I actually am really God in your world. And I'm going to cause it to happen time and time and time again in your life. So you are consistently confronted with the truth that I am real. I am God, that I have all power and all authority and that I came to earth to have a relationship with you. I'm going to do this in your life so you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I am God. The only thing that we need to do in this space is trust God. Trust Him. Do you know what trust sounds like in comparison to doubt? Doubt sounds like, are you sure this is a road? Trust sounds like, I know we're going to get there. I know we're going to get there. Nate, if you, if you, if you, if you turn down here in this car, I know we're going to get there. I know we're going to get there. Doubt sounds like, are you sure? There's a lot of people that are diving into like doorways right here. There's the people that are like hiding, hiding behind dumpsters right now. Are you sure we're going to make it? That is the sound of doubt in our lives. But the sound of trust says, no, no, I know, we're going to make it. I don't know how. Can I tell you that trust is not strategy? Trust, trust is a, an unwavering expectation that you can't bridge the gap, but God can. That somehow, some way, sometime, God is going to bridge the gap. That's what trust sounds like. Trust doesn't sound like knowing how it's going to happen. Trust doesn't even sound like knowing what steps you need to take, what process you need to buy into, or, or whether or not it's even going to be by a process, or, or maybe God's just going to do something one day in a moment. We don't know. Trust is being okay with not knowing the process, but being sure of the destination. You see, trusting God in the gap between reality and promise, is, it's not easy. But that's what a real relationship is. That's what a real relationship with God is. You see, we're not, we're not talking about principles. We're not talking about concepts. We're talking about a person. We're talking about a, a living, breathing, real relationship. We, we, don't, we, we are not a religion that is separate from the person of Jesus. As soon as we separate religious rhetoric, as soon as we separate behavior, as soon as we separate obligation, from the overflow of relationship, we have separated ourselves from the power that we have to, to have any meaningful change in our lives. Christianity is the only religion that is not about religious behavior, but personal relationship. And if we're not careful, we very, as, hum, as humans, we grab a hold of process. We love process. And if we're not careful, we grab a hold of process at the expense of relationship. 
Because relationship is messy. Relationship is, is hard. Relationship can be difficult. Relationship has spaces. Relationship has, has all kinds of things where we need to like be, be, be open. And, 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 and sometimes it's awkward in relationships. And sometimes we don't know how things are going to play out. When we have that conversation with our spouse, we don't know how it's going to end. But that's relationship. That's real. That's where trust is built. That's where intimacy is built. That's where, that as you go through these things in your life with people around you, it, it, it's as you get through that particular circumstance, there is a greater level of trust for the next circumstance. But you don't get to a point in your life where suddenly it, it, it's all just separate from the relationship. You see, we trust the trust that we build in relationship we have with God, it, it, it's the thing that we lean into. It's the thing that we stand on when we're walking across the, the chasm, right, between reality and promise, between experience and expectation. And if all that we have is, is religious behavior, if all that we have is these things that we do because we should, if all that we have is just, well, mum and dad did it, so I do it. If, if the, the depth of our relational level with Christ himself is there, it is very difficult to trust him when you're looking all around you and nothing is changing and yet you're trying to believe in, in what his word is saying. And, and let's be honest, when it comes to trust, when it comes to believing that God will do what he says he can, there is a huge elephant in the room. I don't know if you've been willing to engage in this space or if you just deny that it's there in your relationship with God. I used to do that a lot. I used to deny it because it was too hard to go into that space. But the elephant in the room is time. God says he will. When, right? We, we want when. But God doesn't often say when. He says, I will. Uh, cool, uh, God, um, can you elaborate on that for me? No, I don't want you to trust timing. I want you to trust me. I don't, I don't want you to trust the process because time is part of, pro no, I want you to trust me. I want you to know me. I want you to have relationship with me. I want you to build trust by going through things with me, talking to me, being with me. Through life, right? It's, it's doing things with people through life that circumstance us, a circumstance life experience after life experience that actually establishes the relational base, the trust base that you stand on in the next experience. Where am I up to? My laptop battery just went flat. We could be here for a while, guys. Here we are, verse 13, right, yeah. When this happens, you'll know I'm God. When this happens, when, when is that, God? <laughs> when, when is it? Oh, no, just when. Just trust me. Just trust me. When it happens. Is it going to be tomorrow, God? Is my breakthrough going to be tomorrow? Is my job coming next week, that one that I'm believing that you're going to provide? Is, that, is it going to be next week? What about that healing that I'm believing for, God? Your word says that I can believe for healing. You're going to heal me. I'm believing for it. But when is it going to happen, God? Is it going to be this month, next month? What about that spouse that I'm believing for? 
right? What about, what, like, like, I love the, the, the freedom that singleness brings, but, but I'm also, at times I get lonely, like, God, I, I want, where, where, when, God, when? Well, just listen, when it happens, you're going to know I'm God. But, but in the journey, I need, I need you to trust me, because actually, that's going to teach you way more about, about me than if I just did it straight away. And God, God is less interested in your breakthrough than he is in authentic relationship with you. We need to understand that God lives from an eternal perspective and one day we will pass through death and all the things that we do struggle with will pass away. And he lives from an eternal perspective where, where actually what he's more concerned about is the relationship status that he has with you to ensure that you're with him in eternity. And, and, and that doesn't mean that he's not for your breakthrough right now, but he's more for your relationship right now. Because when relationship is authentic, it can continue to move us through something that never changes. It's actually what holds us in the space when, when, when maybe that thing doesn't change year after year after year. I, I don't know about you, but I'm telling you, when something doesn't change year after year after year after year, it puts a lot of pressure on my trust. It puts a lot of pressure on my trust. It really presses into how, actually how real is my relationship with God? Do I just believe principles that are untested? Or is what I'm holding on to something that is so real to me? I may not have all the answers and I may not know when, but I know him. I know him. And it's real to me. And in the midst of no change, he is still real to me. And he is still with me. He walks through the valley of the shadow of death with me. It doesn't tell us how long that valley is, but it does tell us that he's there in the middle of it. It's interesting because there's something that he, continue, he, he, he references again in verse 14. Then you will know. Then you will know. If, if something gets repeated in Scripture, it's worth noting. Then you will know that I am the Lord. What does he want? What is his purpose right here? Knowledge of him. Not intellectual, but experiential. That there would be this, this heart knowing in the same way that you know your best friend, in the same way that you know your spouse, in the same way that you know your children, there's this knowing. There's a knowing of them that is not something that you explain, something that you're able to articulate. It's this, this deep connection, relationship. That's what it is. And that's God's desire with all of us, that we would have this deep connection, that we would know Him because He knows us. He already knows us. He knows everything about us. And what he presents to us on a platter all the time is an opportunity to know him. And I just, if I can, I want to jump right now and land this plane, not in Ezekiel, but I want to land it in the New Testament where we see this very thing in the person of Jesus himself. And it, 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 there's a story, and it actually exists in all three of the, the kind of, the, we would call them the synoptic gospels. It's, a, it's kind of a theological word, but it's basically like three of them are very similar. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they, they recount things from a similar perspective. And, and, and all three of them record this story. And like I said before, if something is repeated in Scripture, it is worth taking note of. And we, we read this same story in three of the gospels. Where, where Jesus has this interaction with this guy called Jarius. And, and I want to put us in, in the picture for a second. You can read it in, in Mark. I believe it's around chapter 5. 
Uh, I think I have uh, a, a couple of verses coming up in a second. But I want to give you a, an, an overview of the story. Basically, Jesus is walking uh, through uh, a particular town. And, and this, this, this guy, Jarius, comes up to him. And it, it says in one of the recounts that Jarius was a leader in one of the synagogues. And if we know about how Jesus operated, he would go and he would, he would speak in synagogues and he would speak in, in other places as well. And so you can imagine that, that Jarius would know of Jesus. He'd be aware of him. He'd be aware of the things that he's taught. He's probably aware of some of the miracles that he's done. He's heard about it. He's seen around the place. And you've got to understand that at the moment, Jarius' daughter is, is incredibly sick. Incredibly sick. And this crisis in his family has prompted Jarius to be like, well, I've heard of this guy. I've seen him speak uh, kind of in the synagogue. Uh, apparently, he does really cool things. Um, and and uh, I'm, I'm a little bit at my wit's end, so I'm going to go and just see if he can do something. I'm going to go and see if he can do something. And so he goes and tries to find Jesus, and, and it says that, that Jarius came to Jesus, and he's like, teacher, which is a really interesting thing because it indicates the, the level of their relationship. It's a very cool study if you want to go through the Gospels and, and read about the, the labels at which different people put on Jesus. It tells you very, uh, a lot about the, the relational depth. And how they approach him. But he says, Teacher, my daughter's sick. Can you come? Can you do something? And Jesus is like, Absolutely. Yeah, okay. I don't have anything else on my agenda um, today. I'm just walking. Just, uh, you know, I was going to pop down to the, the hummus factory and um, get some pita bread. And, and but, but so he goes with Jarius. Some of his disciples follow along. And kind of midway, he gets, he gets sidetracked. Not really. Jesus doesn't get sidetracked. He just hears from the Spirit and is, is willing to adjust his agenda. I, I'm not good at that. It's another sort of situation. Woman touches his, his cloak, gets healed. It's crazy. And you know, I can imagine Jarius is like, ah, uh, like that's cool. My daughter's still sick. Can we, I would really like it if we could hurry up because this is a really, really, uh, like this situation is not good. It's not changing. I need you to hurry up. And Jesus is like, Listen, I'm just going to deal with this situation over here right now. Is that okay? I will. I will get there. But there's no, there's no, there's no when given to Jarius. It's just like, yeah, oh, oh, someone over here needs healing too. Cool. I just, I'm going to sort that out. And I don't know if you've ever felt like you're believing for something with Jesus, and yet you see other people get it along the way, and you're like, hello, uh, what about me? Uh, where's, where's mine, Jesus? And, and, and so Jesus deals with this situation. He moves on. And they're walking again on the road. And it says that sometime along the road towards Jarius's house, some of Jarius' servants come out and they're like, uh, look, this is, this is really a difficult conversation to have, but it's too late. It's too late, Jesus. Don't bother the teacher, they say. Don't bother the teacher. And we get this incredible encounter with Jesus and Jairus. It's just this picture. It's like we get this big picture and then in a moment we zoom in to this personal space. And Jesus just kind of, he doesn't articulate at all. We, we, we get to put a bit of imagery in a, in, into it as we imagine how it happened. But I imagine Jesus just leaning in in the midst of all of the evidence that is coming at Jairus. And Jesus says, don't be afraid. Just trust me. You ever said that to someone? Just trust me. Just trust me. It's a road. Just trust me. We're going to get there. Just trust me. It might, it might get a bit narrow along the way, but just trust me. 
And you know what? Jairus has a decision to make. He has a decision because in the moment, he is getting all of this evidence that it's too late. It doesn't matter. Don't Why should I bother going any further in my relationship with you because it's too late? That thing I was hoping for, it's gone. It's done. She's dead. You didn't come. Like you healed that other person, not me. And Jairus had every opportunity to walk away, get bitter, get disillusioned, get discouraged, be done with Jesus. And he has to make a decision. Am I going to lean into this relationship? Am I actually going to lean in and trust this guy that I actually don't really know a lot about? I've heard a lot about him. I've seen him do a few things. So I know a little bit. But, oh, this this just got real personal. Because now this is about me. And whether God can actually do it in my world, even when it seems like it could be too late. Even when it seems like it's been going on for years and nothing has changed. And I I do get the perspective that, well, maybe it's never going to change. It feels too late for me in my world. And, And Jesus is just leaning in. He's like, Jarius, just trust me. Just trust me. And I get a sense this morning that that is a word for so many people for this year. Jesus is just saying, hey, don't be afraid. Just trust me. And he is calling us as individuals and as a, as a whole community to lean into a space where our relationship with him is really real again and really personal again. Your relationship with Jesus is always personal. It's not individual. And in that moment, Jarius leans into the relationship. He goes, okay, I'll trust you. And in some ways, what did he have to lose, right? And sometimes we're in those circumstances. It's like, well, there is no other way. So what have I got to lose? And sometimes we're presented with those early in our walk with Christ. And I think he does that in many ways so that we establish some sort of foundation that we can trust in him, right? The no-lose scenario is far easier to lean into than the one where, well, actually, there's a better option I could take. And Jarius leans into the relational space. He goes, okay, I'll trust you. And they walk on and Jesus is like, clear the room. There's all these people crying. They've, they've already decided it's too late. All right, they, they, they've seen the girl and they're like, no, it's too late. We, and they've begun, they've begun the grieving process of the situation that they hoped would change but never would. How often do we do that? Right? How often do we engage in the, in the grieving process or, 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 or we've just decided, well, that's not going to change. So I'm going to go the rest of my life just not even bothering to deal with or, 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 or look into that situation in my life because I've just decided that's never going to change. And so I'm moving on. And there's a whole house full of people that have already begun moving on. They're wailing and they're crying, as you would expect. Grief is very real. The, a, a little girl, has, it's a tragic situation. Jesus says, listen, I just need you all to get out of the way for a second. Just, look, I have a different perspective. She's not dead. She's just asleep. Just, I have a different perspective on your situation. I have a different perspective on, on your situation. Do you realize that God has a different perspective on your situation? You might call it one thing, but God calls it something else. You might call it something God calls it something else. And in the end, there's this incredible conclusion where Jesus takes just his closest disciples. Sometimes 
We need to understand that in those really, really difficult times in our life, we don't need to isolate ourselves. But we also don't need to expose ourselves to every single person on the face of the planet. Right? You don't need to put it out on social media. You don't need to plaster your negativity all over Instagram. But you do need to go and have coffee with some of your closest friends and let them into that, that space in your life and be, like, and be real with them. So how I'm really going through this, it is actually really difficult. So Jesus takes just three of his disciples into the upper room. He takes Jairus. And he says, you know what? She's not dead. She's asleep. Trust me. She's not dead. She's asleep. Trust me. That's not the end for you. Trust me. And he leans, he grabs her hand, wakes her up. It's awesome. It's awesome. But at no point are we given the timeline on how long that was going to take while Jairus is walking along the road. While Jesus is over here doing something else, the Jairus is like, hey, hey man, like, come on. But I believe a word for you this morning, church, that Jesus is saying that you can hang on to for this year is don't be afraid. Trust me. Trust me. Stop trying to picture what it should look like on the other. Just trust me. Just find me in the middle of it and trust that I've got everything else. Trust that I've got everything else. And I felt like God had a couple of things on my heart this morning just to pray specifically into. The first one is for people, and you have a very real situation that you're stepping into this year. It might have come across from last year, but there is a real fear around it. There's a real fear around it. You are actually incredibly afraid of a certain situation in your life that you are stepping into. I just want to pray over you right now that you would hear God say so clearly, don't be afraid, trust me. Don't be afraid, trust me. And then there's other people and you, as soon as I said that, God has a different perspective on your situation. You're like, oh my goodness, I needed to hear that. I have called it this. I have called it uh, final. I've put all sorts of labels on this thing, but I needed to hear that God calls it something different. I'm going to pray for you. So church, can we just stand right now across this place? Is that all right? And if either of those things relate to you, why don't you just, why don't you just put your hands out. Just get a, get a little picture in your mind just of a, a real person just in front of you. That's what it is with, like with Jesus. He is real. His Holy Spirit is here. So Father, right now, I want to pray for every person that's just, they're leaning into this space with you. They're leaning into their relationship with you. They're at a point in their life right now where it's really real, Father. There is real stuff. There is real difficulty. There is real pain. There is real hurt. There is real anxiety. There is real things. There is real lack in people's lives right now. And God, I pray that as people lean into the relationship they have with you, that they would find you in the midst of this situation. Lord, they might be in the middle of the greatest chasm of their life between what they're expecting and hoping for, but their present reality. And I pray in the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, do, Lord, what what we could never do on our own. And I pray that you would just come and meet with them in such a real way. That it would be as if you are standing right in front of them, right now, leaning in and just reminding them, hey, trust me, I am walking with you in this. I am next to you. I have never left you. I have never forsaken you. I am your strength. 
I am your joy. I am your hope. I am your source of life. When you are down, I am there to lift you up. God, I pray, help it to be so real. Help our relationship with you to be so real. In the name of Jesus. Come on, team, why don't we just sing for a moment? Thanks for joining us for the C3 Victory Podcast. We would love to see you at one of our services. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au or check us out on Facebook or Instagram.